you can have your frustrating emotion, you can be upset and anxious, and have rational knowledge that would say, huh, maybe this is part of God's plan. Welcome to Behind the Cape <laughs> with your hosts, Jeff and Chad. And, you know, today, Jeff, I'm just checking with that anxious that you were just talking about, and it's just everything with work seems to be very last minute. It's always just enough time. Um, and so this is a great topic to get into because, well, obviously the next piece of the puzzle in the book, Five Marks of a Man, is that men work. Boys don't want to work, and men do, and there's a bunch of like layers that go into that and so this is going to be a good topic it's probably a i'm sure that the timing for yes. myself is probably god communicating to me you're right <laughs> right the fact that we're going to have to talk about talk about this in the midst of feeling particular level of anxiety of how you know work is hitting and taking over our you know our thinking and our thoughts and yet we view it as a God-directed, manly approach, right? How, how do we how do we balance those things? Well, let's get right into it. So this whole idea of boys don't want to work, men work. I mean, we can see this, or I can feel this, of looking up back at when growing up, you know, it's, you got to just play. You know, as a kid, you got to play and play video games and play sports, and really dad did all the stuff. You know, even looking back, I, didn't, I don't even remember my dad really forcing me to do many home projects like Mm. when he when he remodeled the basement he remodeled the basement the only thing i ever did was accidentally push a friend through the drywall and (laughs) make him have to redo it um (laughs) and so it's this interesting dynamic for me of like thinking about this of like okay yeah growing up and what does that look like for work and what i'm really curious on jeff for you because you're teaching at the college level which seems like a very important transition period. You know, we think about college and it's about going and having experiences. And, you know, a lot of people think about college and they think about the partying and the fun social aspects of it. And you're getting ready for work. And then, you know, I would imagine part of your job is getting the students ready to go work. Yeah. Um, and I know that we'll we'll focus at first here on work as, you know, maybe your job, but then there's other areas of things that are work that are not necessarily related directly to getting a paycheck. So yeah. t- talk to me about your teaching experience and what that means for your students. Yeah, so the, this semester in particular was the first time I got to teach this particular lesson, and it's to sophomores, juniors, and seniors, a kind of a mix in a classroom. It's a class on creativity and leadership. We were talking about one of the leadership principles of how, as a leader, you need to model the way for others to follow you. And in order to do that, you have to know your own purpose, what drives you. And for the listeners here, it's a little bit of a bait and switch for the students. So I'm leading the students down a particular path. And this was originally developed by Professor Jim Friedman, and he was loaning me this process, which I tried for the first time and loved it. So it's a lot of things that you would hear the world communicate to you, like how hard are you willing to work to make sure you know your purpose? How hard are you willing to make sure that you live your purpose, right? And students are discussing and like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, we really want to figure out our purpose. We're willing to work hard to figure it out, to, to do it. And then I show a quote from Confucius, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day 
in your life. Okay, right. All right. How do people agree with that? Right? Students agree that, yeah, totally. Our, our goal is to try to find that thing that fulfills our purpose and our passion. And it doesn't even feel like work. It's so lovely and enjoyable. And I'll just pause for a second there to allow, just reflect as a listener, how many of you are in that current job where every day feels like joy and rest and fun and you're using your skills, right? Uh, there's a little bit of tension that's maybe being created for those who have been out in the workplace. And so then I ask students to, to say like, hey, if you want this, right, you want to get to this job where it doesn't feel like work a day in your life, right? Like you're, you're retired at 22 because you love what you're doing so much. You need to follow the three E's. And the three E's are you got to find things in your life that are easy, effortless, and enjoyable and spend all your time doing only those things that are easy, effortless, and enjoyable. And at this point, I'm getting head nods all around the classroom. Sounds amazing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, got it. Oh, yeah. Only do that stuff. That sounds good. Um, right. All right. So now we're going to take five minutes and do some journaling to start to identify those areas in our lives. Go ahead and write down what are all the places and all the things that you do and the interactions you have, that the situations that are easy, effortless, and enjoyable at the same time. Right. Go. And after about like two minutes of super awkward silence and people's brains like smoking, it looks like they're thinking so hard. Some people have written down like one thing, scratched it out again, written another Video thing. games. Right, right. And so then like I start to ask for some responses and you know, you, you get a couple that are like uh, hanging out with, hanging out with friends, you know? Oh, really? Hanging out with friends is always easy? Well, it mo you know, not always. Well, is it always effortless? Like you, you don't have to do any planning or anything like, well, well no, not, not always. Right? And so slowly, like anything they're able to come up with as we discuss and talk about really, really nothing in life is easy, effortless and enjoyable all at the same time, right? Like, but, but what really comes from finding your true vocation through work is knowing that the hard work that's required, the responsibility, the tedium that you have to go through is worth it, right? Nothing you're going to do is only easy, effortless, and enjoyable, but instead it's a focus of where is it that the work that I put in, that the effort that I give, the, the, the day in and day out still feels meaningful. And for that, you have to think about two other E's. Like one of them is what's something in your life where you feel enthusiasm? It's a little bit different than easy, effortless, enjoyable. Where, what are you enthusiastic about? When you look at the Greek root of the word enthusiasm, it means to be inspired by a God. Wow. Wow. That's, that takes enthusiasm. Like I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about this new episode coming out right on Netflix. Really? Is that God inspired? Maybe um, it's not the, maybe it's the, the misuse of the word enthusiastic. Right, um, right, maybe right. I'm really excited about it. Sure. Sure. But um, yeah. pumped up. Um, but, but to think about like, really, there are probably parts in your life that you feel like, man, when I do this, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm on a different connection, right? I'm in a state of flow, right? This might be inspired by God. It's that question mark of like, Hmm, maybe this is something really unique God has for me. And the other one too, is thinking about what's your essence, like what makes you, you, and how do you start to think about the work that you're doing 
aligning with your essence, fulfilling things you're enthusiastic about. And there will be moments where things feel easy, moments where they feel effortless, moments where they feel enjoyable, but to hold that expectation that they're all three at the same time, all the time, is setting you up for complete and utter despair because it's just not going to happen. What's, what's interesting thinking about any of those, I couldn't at age 19, 20, 21, sit in a room and truly understand what my essence was, mm. what, what I'm enthusiastic about. And it talks about this in the book about the need to go through trial and error. Like you have to go out and do work around mm -hmm. things to even get to the point where you can experience something that you're like, Oh, this is it. This is something that I'm really enthusiastic about. Um, I remember hearing, man, I don't even know if it was a conversation with you like years ago, like you just don't know what's out there. You know, the fact I remember the, the time where this hit me the most was I found out that somebody was making a living by selling Legos on the secondary market, meaning they had just a bunch of parts of Legos in their basement. And when somebody needed a little L-shaped brown one, they had it. And I was like, that's a job? Like, that's a business? Like, that even exists? Who knew that that existed, right? And until you put yourself out in the world and go do work, you don't even know. I mean, I don't even know what percentage of jobs would I not know of if I don't actually go out and explore it. I mean, if you think about everything that's possible, it's in, you couldn't just sit in a room in a co as a college student and figure that out. I, yeah, and I, I forget what the exact um, stat is for how often um, kind of the, the entire job market shifts and changes, but um, it's safe to say somewhere in the about 30 to 40% of the jobs that a college freshman will end up being hired for four years later don't currently exist, right? That 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 about every four years, it's kind of about a about a third of the job force has different titles, new new industries, right? A new technology that's coming to the marketplace that now requires different jobs, right? And so you're you're trying to prepare yourself for a flexible market, right? Things that will change, right? Like who knew that selling Legos on eBay one off could become its own business. One of the things that, that I think is interesting too about what you're saying is sometimes too, we think like the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Like you hear about that person who's selling Legos and somehow it seems like supporting their family through enough money, right? That, that one, we often make assumptions that aren't necessarily true. Maybe for that person, that's five grand a year, right? Selling Legos. And for whatever financial situation that's enough or maybe he also has an entire extra job on the side but like all the other thing too is we we imagine man that would be so much fun you just get to play with legos all day well is a lego selling business playing legos all day no it's marketing it's advertising it's communication with customers it's it's accounting it's now like all right what are my cost of goods now you have to go out and buy legos maybe that's fun at first right maybe you enjoy doing that when it's a hobby but now that it's a job do, do, do you really want to spend seven weekends at conventions bartering and maybe right but how much of that job feels like 
it's part of that thing you're enthusiastic about, right? It's never going to be a hundred percent. You just, you can't function as a business and only ever do the things that God's inspired you to do. You also just have to do some of the grunt work. And so I think that's an important part of thinking about, I think boys get totally trapped in that space of, I, this isn't it if I'm not enjoying it 100% of the time, right? I need to quit. I need to find something else. I have several friends um, who have acted very much like boys in the workplace where it's like they start a job and a week later they quit because it wasn't everything that they thought it was going to be. And I, I don't know, that just feels like, really? Did you give it a full shot? Like, did you really work to try to figure out where are the parts of this job I can be enthusiastic about? How might I increase those? Sometimes it takes a little bit of time, right? You can't just jump in, it's, you know, get rich quick schemes, only make money for the people who develop the get rich quick schemes that people purchase, right? That's how you get rich quick is by selling that program, not, not doing the program. Uh, so I don't know. I think we sometimes are, are told things, exposed to things that make us feel like, man, I sh if I was doing a good job, I'd be able to sit on the beach drinking Coronas and be and money would just be coming in. Right. And I think that's a very boy mentality. And, and it's not it's not at all what uh, what is modeled through the Bible and through stories of of characters that we really look up to as, you know, God inspired. Yeah, thinking back, what are your experiences with people in your life when it comes to work and not working and that mentality? What have you seen? Uh, well, you know, one that comes to mind right away was just like my father. So growing up, my dad was a college professor. And when he would come home, he would continue to work on things with his hands, um, like do auto repair stuff. And we had we had 57 lawnmowers in our backyard that were to like take parts off of. Every now and then we'd pull one into the garage and fix it. And so there was something he was constantly keeping himself busy. Best neighbors and ever. <laughs> we were not. We were not the best neighbors ever. We also well, bought, we got, I don't know, when we were 10 or 12, we got dirt bikes, like gas powered, you know, loud, homemade-ish dirt bikes. And we lived in a small little suburb and we just drove them around our house in circles until we wore out all the grass, just all day, you know, until it got dark at night, maybe even if it was still dark, just <laughs> Anyway, that's beyond the point. Um, but there was a moment when I could tell, like my dad had felt like he had worked enough and he was kind of done. And that was around, I don't know, maybe probably around that like 62 to 65 space. Um, up until that point, he had continued to stay active. He, he had his own lure making business. He sold stuff on eBay, continued to do some small engine repair. But there became a point when he was living across the street from me and all day, every day, when I walked over, he would have a margarita and he'd be watching TV or a movie. And I saw that for five years. And I even went over sometimes with like, hey, would you help me fix this? Or what do you think about this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's, you know, we'll get to that. And, and it wouldn't happen. And I'm still kind of left in the like, what? I don't know what flipped if there was a point where it just felt like, man, I deserve a break, right? Like I, I need to stop. But what I saw happen was he stopped using his body and so his body stopped working as well. 
Um, my brother and I took him fishing when he was like 69 and he couldn't walk the quarter of a mile to a half a mile to the dock to get on the boat that we had hired to take us out fishing for the day. And like, he was in a lot of pain, his hips hurt, his feet hurt. And cause he just hadn't been using them. Um, but, you know, and that, that, I don't know if that's really where you were asking, but it kind of goes dark kind of, kind of quickly in some of those spaces, like what happens really to people psychologically, physically, when they stop working, when they stop having a clear purpose that is somehow helping others, that's engaging with others, um, that helps to showcase your identity, your essence, um, those things that God has inspired in you is you, you die, right? Like when, when you, when you stop working stats would say, I, I did try to pull the exact one up that you have a 37% higher chance of dying at age 65 if you retired at 55, right? So like you, you retire and you have a greater chance of dying than if you just worked till 65. Um, and I just, that idea is just actually the stats even worse. It's you're 89% more likely to die at 65 if you've retired at 55. It's just, you know, your brain, your body, if you start, if you stop using it, it will stop working. And I think this is probably a space too, where we can think about like, and it's not, I don't mean keep working at a job for someone else, getting a paycheck and a salary. There's so many different kinds of meaningful work. So Chad, would you, you know, share with, share with me some of your thoughts on, you know, others that you've seen kind of go through that pathway and, or, you know, what, what are the different kinds of work that you could be thinking about? Yeah. I, you know, there was a part in the book where it talked about, you know, even the people that we like to hang out with and be with as retirees, the ones that you typically enjoy to be around are the people that are doing things. Mm. You know, and for a long time, I kind of felt shame and guilt around the idea that I really did not like going to some of my grandparents' homes and like spending time with them. Like I have one grandmother who's still alive right now. And I felt feel guilt like her birthday was this last Sunday and I'll see her on Easter Sunday. And I, I yeah, she just sits in the chair and mm -hmm. watches TV. Um, it's really hard to engage with her. And you know, it's the same thing with my great grandparents growing up. They just sat at the kitchen table all day. I, yeah. I have, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. And then there's a grandparent who was active, who was gardening and doing these things. And that was the grandparent that I liked hanging out with. Well, and I could imagine too, like, even if let's say physically your great grandparents, most of what they could do is sit at the table and uh, they can't do a lot of physical activity, but let's say they were running a non, a local nonprofit, right. And, and that they're, they're constantly in conversations with, you know, with agencies trying to help you know, the needy, like that would give you something to talk about, to be excited about, to involve other family members in, right? Like that would give you a purpose for how, why would we build relationship? Yeah. That's what it felt like there, there was, I didn't even know what to talk about other yeah. than hi grandma and give you a hug and then yeah. go to the living room because I didn't want to sit in the cigarette smoke and die. Um, you know, like <laughs> those type of things. And it's just this crazy. So yeah, when it comes to work, you know, typically our brain goes right to a job. How are we going to make money? But the idea there is work around 
building relationships with other people. There's mm. work around serving other people, you know, whether that's in a formal setting of a nonprofit or a charity, or even if it's just in an informal setting of just helping people, you know, you talk about, you know, just asking your dad to come over and help you fix some things, you know, that's still work. Oh yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed the parts of the book where it talks about, you know, who are you serving? You know, really, if you think about work and many people use work as their identity, you know, it's one of those first questions that we ask people. And I liked when he said in the book, you know, our, our identity is that we are God's work. Like mm. we're from his workmanship and that's our identity, not the job that we're doing. And so how do we take that and imitate that by serving others and getting involved in work that is meaningful? That reminds me of like, yeah, because when you go to meet someone, often the first question out of your mouth is, oh, so what do you do? right? Meaning like, where do you work? What is your job? Because I want to define you now as a lawyer, or I want to define you now as a landscape architect or architecture. Yeah. Um, and so like, I think one getting past that kind of first question, because that, I don't know, that just puts too much emphasis on the, the way the world often refers to work, what your job is. And instead being willing to ask people things like, Hey, what motivates you? Right? I do like Simon That's Sinek it. does that really well. He talks about that. Instead of introducing yourself by what job you do, talk about your why, what mm. motivates you. Yeah. And I think that that's a perfect connection there. We did, um, when I worked at a consulting company called Seek and we would do a lot of innovation workshops and you constantly have to have those name tags, right? That say like, my name is blank, right? Cause you're going to be meeting 30 new people for the day. And, and we, we custom printed our own where it says, okay, my, my first name is, and I am moved by, right? And so when you go to fill out the name tag, already the day has started by thinking about something that moves you, right? That really pushes you forward. And you get to have a deeper conversation right off the bat. And then when we're talking about now here's an actual objective for a client and a thing we're trying to accomplish. We already have seeded into everyone's mind things that they're inspired by. And we can call that back of like, hey, look down at your name tag. What inspires you? And how might that inspire a new idea towards this challenge? Right? And so I think being, uh, you know, recognizing that within our work, you know, within our job, um, we can find greater level of meaning as we as we find those other areas of our lives too that we might not always call work, but they are right. Those things that we're motivated by, that we spend time on, the relationships that uh, we put effort against, you know, anything that shows up on your calendar is some form of work, right? Like I, I, we we do a Sabbath as a family every week, and we've done it for a little over four years now. And the essence of Sabbath is you're supposed to cease and turn off for 24 hours. And do no work. <laughs> right. And not and not work. Right. And and because God also does call mm -hmm. us to rest. So I think that that's something too to to be careful of that God is not saying work seven days of the week, 24 hours a day. No, he in fact says completely turn off for an entire 24 hour period, or else how would you continue to work next week? Right? Like that you need that refresh. But it's great. Okay, Sabbath time hits and we turn off. 
But if we haven't worked to prepare for that, if we hadn't already planned the meals, if we haven't already discussed what kinds of things are we going to do over 24 hours? When are we going to go to church? How are we going hiking? Are we going to instead go to like an arcade and play games? Are we watching a movie? That entire 24 hour period now just becomes stressful. And, and it's like, oh, damn it, I'm supposed to be resting right now because tomorrow I'm gonna have to work again. Arr, I gotta rest so hard, right? And it's just, no, you you actually, I have to, I have to put some work in to preparing for rest. And I find that to be ironic and true. Uh, and so like, we have to work for the things that we want, you know? <laughs> I just loved when you said we got to work so hard on our yeah. day of rest. Yeah. <laughs> Made it, me laugh. <laughs> there's something in that. And I, you know, I, it does remind me of like an extreme version um, of, I felt like I was working a job that was uh, well-paid, not overly challenging. I could keep it with like eight to nine hours a day kind of space, had my weekends. And there was just something about it that felt like I am working right now really only for the money. Like those other pieces are gone. I'm not feeling my essence here. I'm not feeling enthused. Um, it, it is easy and some of it was enjoyable, you know, but it was like, okay, something's a little off here. And normally I've got the next thing planned out. I know, all right, well, I'm gonna work for this for one year and then I'll do this and it leads to this. And I didn't have that. And I felt like God was saying, just quit just quit and take like, I thought it was somewhere between nine months to a year. I was meant to not work to quit. And that was so interesting. One to actually decide to do because the world would say you're an idiot or, oh my gosh, that must be so amazing. Right. And so it's like, okay. Yeah. You're either crazy yeah. or a genius. Right. And so it's like, I, I chose to think genius, right? Like, no, this is totally genius. Right. And I, I quit December 1st. That was my last day, um, back in 2015. And December was amazing. It was so much fun. Um, my wife was at home most of the day uh, with the kids. And so we, we looked up like, what are interesting Christmas cocktails? And we, we were drinking and having fun. And we had actually had a lot of time to really plan a fun Christmas. And it was great. And then January hit and everyone went back to work, except for me. I'm sitting down in my basement feeling like, how do I not work? What do I do? How do I spend eight hours until kids come back? Do I sit around and drink margaritas and watch TV? Is that what I do? And that doesn't seem right. right? And I really struggled and I started to actually get pretty depressed. And I took on a couple of other work projects because I, I didn't know what else to do. Like I took on some consulting work and, and then suddenly realized, wait, wait a second. I, there was something in this that God had for me to have to sit and through this muck and figure it out. So I stopped taking on consulting projects. I tried to sit through the muck and I went through a pretty low month, like an entire month of redetermining who I am, where my identity comes from. And what I was realizing was so much affirmation from the job that I had, had filled who I was. And I didn't truly believe that I was enough right? That I just being and existing was enough that I had to prove my worth through my efforts at a job. And that's where I started to think about, wait, but what other efforts, what other work is there to do? Oh, there's a lot of relational building to do. 
there's like, if I want a multi-generational impact on my kids, how can I start establishing rhythms now with my kids? And so my work started to get transitioned into thinking about how do I make meaning out of my home? Who am I? And how do I enhance, you know, use those pieces? And it led to buying a 1988 RV off of Craigslist for $3,000, fixing it up, planning a month long trip out West, taking the family to see national parks and just finding a different version of who I am, finding an excited, like feeling out in nature, which then did lead to a new career, led to me becoming a professor, led to me having summers off as a rhythm. Like there's all these things I can look backwards on now and realize actually I had to stop working for a minute to figure out how to readjust Otherwise, if you just have that mantra of work, men work, men work, you can get trapped in the, wait, wait, wait a second though, but this, this is meant to be God inspired, right? So take a moment to think about uh, what are you working for? What's the, what's the desired outcome, right? What are you trying to achieve? Yeah. Where my brain is going with that thought, Jeff, is I think that's where I am in my transition now is, you know, I'm in my own business. I'm running my own company companies and it's finally getting to the point where I'm looking to God for direction like mm. what does he want out of this and that's a big section out of this part of the book too where it's it's saying you know who are you working for and really the one there was the one title where it was like boys work to stake claims like to show like that we can do this that we're worth something and men work to experience God. And I feel I'm just in the beginning of that transition to finally getting to that point of saying, no, this is like God inspired work in this. Now, right, not everything, like you said earlier, not everything in the job is enthusiasm and, oh, I love doing this piece, right? I'm really good at the accounting, but I despise doing that work, right? It's just horrible. Like, But there is always a percentage of, you just gotta do that stuff to be able to to have the other stuff happen mm. um and so this this god inspired piece really intrigues me and in how you stated that because that's where i feel i'm at right now it's like oh this is what i am meant to do and there are main things and that's everything from how i'm interacting with the employees that we have to what we're doing from a service offering and where we're mm. going in the future so i think there's a piece in that where it's no matter what job or position you're in how can you find what God wants for you in that role? And that could be serving coworkers. It could be serving your boss. It could be serving the end customers. There's probably more thought that people have to put in that because there are some positions where you're like, ah, it's not so obvious, mm. right? If I work in a church, well, it seems pretty obvious, right? Like where my direction is supposed to be. And now I've talked to people who worked at churches. Yeah. It's not that simple. Just right. let's put that out there. But it seems that way, right? But it seems that way. If I'm working in a, a factory manufacturing environment, what am I doing in that position to experience God? And to take the time to think about that is highly important to pray on oh, that. Yeah. What are you supposed to be doing in this? And, you know, we've heard the, you know, if you're going to be, um, you know, someone who's pushing a broom, be the best broom pusher that you can absolutely be in that moment. And what does that mean? So 
there's probably something there to explore more and i'm not even sure where exactly to go with well, that well one of, one of the things that was triggering from what you were talking about was just this idea that like when things get hard i think boys will tend to quit right like oh this wasn't what i signed up for this looks hard i quit and men when things get hard decide that it's worth it and push through but they can only do that if they've set a vision right if they have a why if they know what it's for what am i working for because you need that in your mind when you hit that hard time to be able to assess worth it worth it for what where are we going why am i doing this and if all you're working for is a paycheck of course every time it gets hard you're going to feel really angry and upset and you're going to look for things that pay the same and are easier pay more but have you know like okay if i'm going to work this hard then i need more money really is that what it was for uh, so I think that's that's the kind of thing linking back to the very first trait of, you know, men have vision, right? Well, that, what does that vision allow you to do? It allows you in these spaces of work to, to discern those things. Like, is it worth it? Do I continue to push through or, or do, I look, do, do I look somewhere else? You know, it doesn't mean you're a boy by deciding to quit, but it's like quitting without purpose. You know, like there are times when, yes, it is time to move on and do something else because it no longer is fulfilling to where you feel like God might be leading you. you. You feel like maybe there's not really fruit there. And that can happen in in any industry can really be a place where you're modeling who Jesus was and helping people better understand the kingdom of God. You can you can help bring the kingdom into your janitorial staff. Right. Like that's, you're going to push a broom, right? Push a broom in a way where people are like, man, there is something about that person that I just want to know more about. Right. What, what they're seeing in you is a little bit of Jesus, right? There's, they're seeing something desirable. Yeah. Something that's going on with me currently right now is there's still guilt. There are things that I, I am a hundred percent confident God inspired vision and direction. And there are still days where the boy comes out and I don't do the things that I am supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's some, you know, some battles there and maybe some of the listeners can relate to that. <laughs> Even in the areas where I'm like, yes, this should be great. And this, and, and I have enthusiasm around. And then there's days where I'm like, man, I just don't feel as enthusiastic as I was yesterday. <laughs> and so that's a struggle, <laughs> you know? And, and I think at the beginning of the book, he says, you know, we all have these moments where every day where we're a boy and every day we're a man all at the yeah. same time. Absolutely. Around. I think that that's a good reality too, is that you gotta, you gotta cut yourself a, a break and recognize, yeah, you're going to fall trapped to all of these different moments in time, but where are we moving towards, right? How do we keep heading towards the right direction? So I think to wrap things up, we can probably close with you know, what are some of those questions to consider related to these topics? So First thing, like kind of reflecting on inherently based on your upbringing or just where you're at currently in your life, do you view work as good or is work bad, right? Like, is there is there a, a like a bad taste in your mouth when you think about working? And if so, why? What, what do you, why do you think that is? You gotta first gain some awareness. Second question is like, can you think of a time when work really grew you, really pushed you to become a new version of yourself? Right? Like what was the circumstances? What was that like in the moment versus what happened afterwards? Right, Th Reflecting again. Um, think about work too from the perspective of relationship building. It takes a lot of effort 
to have a good marriage. It takes a lot of effort to be a good dad. It takes a lot of effort to be a good friend. Where is there a relationship right now that you want to work at and you're willing to put in the time and effort? And then the last thing, maybe there's something you're avoiding or you see as a clear next step of one small step of work that will take you closer to your vision. So kind of go back to think about, have you drafted a vision? Do you know where you're heading? What's your <clears throat> family mission? Like, do you have some of those things? Uh, and if not, can you articulate at all? Like, hey, what does success look like at the end of the year? Close your eyes and imagine what would be true, right? And think about what's one small step you could take today that might feel like work, but you know is taking you somewhere and will be meaningful. Great. I think the one last thing that I'm thinking about is, and if you're in a position right now where you, you're in a job and you just feel lack, I think the one thing that the question is, ask God, is there something that you're missing where you're currently at? Mm, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't always mean you have to leave. It Like just a different perspective, even seeing a new opportunity. That's a really great, that's a, re a great reflection. Thanks, Chad. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We're so glad that we can speak into your lives and hopefully hear from you what's going on with you as well. So Jeff, thank you for another great week. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate everyone that's listening.